This is AI Podcast, not artificial intelligence, agency intelligence. Our team's going to be 10 times stronger than all the other teams. A platform for agents. When people think of niche marketing, they're thinking so small scale. In real life agencies, sharing their thoughts. All you need to do is get in front of more people. To transform an industry. Better coverages, uh, better pricing, just better everything. Real. The difference between givers, takers, and matchers. Agents. I guess I took a slightly different path coming to the agency. I know a lot of agencies. You can partner your clients with those companies that are looking for that specific target market. This is AI Podcast. Are you ready? I am. Let's go. Hey, 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 you loyal listeners. Welcome to Agents Influence Conversations with Jason Cass. That's who? Me. I'm back with you here with my boy, Billy Williams. Now, when I say boy, I shouldn't say that. He is my number one mentor. If you are a loyal listener, you know that you probably hear his name more than any, anyone. I call them Williamisms um, because I have all these little things. One of my other mentors, uh, my name Mike Beard, I call those Beardisms. So much Beardisms. I say I call them Billyisms. The Billyisms. Okay, Billyisms. That's what we will. Right. That's a lot easier to say too. Um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he has a military background. And I believe yes. a lot of times when I talk to people in military or have a military background, they keep things simple. You ain't got time to complicate things, right. really says, when right. you got bullets flying at your damn right. head. Right, right. You know, so I uh, I really like that. And so, loyal listeners, that's why I always talk about, uh, about that. But I also want to take a minute just to let you know, Billy is a champion. He is in our mastermind. So if you would like to become a champion, you should look at AI Mastermind. You can go to insuranceagencyintelligence.com. Um, and you can click in the top right, click up there for mastermind, and you will be able to see that. Or we've got we got your podcast.com, something that we're doing a lot. I believe we have 16, 17 shows now that we are producing for the insurance industry out there. And we would love to be able to help you. When I say for the insurance industry, we're helping people create niches. We're helping people do what? Build authority. It's what you hear me say all the time. And that's right. one of the greatest ways to do it. You record and somebody else does all the work and makes you look good. Spotify always makes you look good, especially Google Play. So now, though, Billy Williams, the number one, the man, the guy who has changed my life um, because he changed my business. Uh, we've known each other for a long time. Welcome mm -hmm. to Agents Influence, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. I'm, I'm excited. First of all, thank you for always declaring that I'm one of your mentors. I absolutely am honored by that position in your life. And so today, though, is going to be really interesting I like this. because I'm going to take golf, which is my thing I've been doing for 10 months now, and insurance and show you the parallel between them and how it all works out. It's, it's really interesting. Billy, we have so many new listeners. This month alone, we are going to break 27,000 downloads. It's an amazing awesome. month. It's actually around 30-some thousand, but there's uh, there's some that are not, that are, uh, we try to look for unique downloads. Mm -hmm. Why do I say that? Because a lot of people don't know you, because last time you were on, we probably had 4,000 downloads. So, okay. are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? I'm a Droid user, always. They're the best. Why do you guys think? I didn't even, Billy didn't even tell me I was supposed to use a droid. He just was using droids. I was just using droids. Yeah. Not always does opposites attract. Sometimes the similars right. do. Right, That's right. right Especially right. when you're brainiacs and you know what's the best technology. All right. It's my show. I get to just, just down. There you go. Just to, be you, know. you. Just be you, man. Just be, be me. You. Just be me. So do you love to win or do you hate to lose, Billy? 
It's both, but I think I love to win more than I hate to lose. Any reason why? Because I'm a, I'm, you know, I went to college on an athletic scholarship. I'm a tennis player. I played baseball. I've done all this stuff. And winning just brings, it brings an, an, a level of mm-hmm. psychological excitement mm-hmm. that you just can't get from not losing. You For really me, can. not losing is a participation thing. Anybody can not lose, but anybody can't win. Very good point. Um, I have a friend. Uh, his name is Jeremy Wallace, and he brought up a point. We were in the backyard. A loyal listener's never heard this. I want to hear you get your thoughts on this, Billy. We were in the backyard, and we were talking about what is the greatest all-time athlete. And there was people thrown out there, Mike Tyson. There was things thrown out there, Michael Jordan. There was Tiger Woods. All these mm-hmm. people were thrown out, right? And I, I've heard this, and we've all been tar- part of this discussion, but a gentleman said something to me that I had never heard before. And he said, it's undoubtedly Tiger Woods. And this guy didn't golf. And we said, why do you think it's Tiger Woods? This is actually kind of fitting. It kind of fits mm-hmm. into to the golf thing. Uh, that was unplanned. And he said, because it's the only sport that you're 100% responsible for everything that happens. Mike Tyson, you know, he had all those knockouts, but the guy just might have possibly moved his head the wrong way. And Tyson happened to clock him, right? Um, Michael Jordan, he was put in situations that it was like, hey, we're going to him, but he could not feel good. Somebody could have jumped up, blumped his shot. There was a lot of other exterior. Well, also, things. he passed the ball. People forget on three of his championships, he passed off the shot to someone else and they hit the big shot. Good point. But when it makes them the best, it's like you're responsible. Really think about that. Like, other than the wind, I mean, what are you not responsible for whenever you're playing golf? You're responsible for every shot, every, I mean, everything. And it really made me think to myself, wow, if you're really responsible for yourself, Tiger Woods could be considered easily one of the best because he's there doing that, you know? Um, So anyways. Sorry about that, loyal listener. Oh, no, I appreciate it. Because, again, it leads into what I wanted to talk about today. Yeah, so okay. Perfect. That was weird. Um, so, anyway, the the next one is is uh, there's two things that got us where we are today on agency and agents intelligence. And this is what we think here. Um, skill or luck, which one has been the biggest factor in your life, would you say, if you had to choose out of those two? Skill. Why? Skill. Luck, luck has definitely played a part. But luck is when opportunity meets preparation plus time management, plus action. Ooh. Okay. So if I didn't do, if I didn't do preparation, if I didn't do time management, if I didn't take an action, the luck wouldn't have mattered because I wouldn't have been in a position to take advantage of the luck. So many people have said that is when preparation meets opportunity, but you took that further just like you always do. That's that's beautiful. That's beautiful because it's easy to say that, but there are a lot of other things involved. Yeah, you can be prepared all day long. I know I know people that have gone to school and they have seven degrees, but they're broke. So they prepared, but they never took an action. So unless you take action, it doesn't matter how much preparation you do. In fact, there are a lot of people who are very successful that never prepared, but they took an action. Enough said. Loyal listeners already. Go ahead, stop, rewind it, write it down, put that nugget in your pocket, use it later. Billy? Yes, sir. The thing is, is I want you you have a, a vast being a tennis player and you know being in the past in the military. Give us that summary in two to three minutes that bring them to who you are so that they understand that you are not an agency owner, you are an investor. But go back to okay. where that came from to here, please. Absolutely. Well, I retired from the military in 2003. 
I was commander of Army College Recruiting, meaning if there was a recruiter anywhere on a college campus, they worked for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, Allstate recruited me to be their recruiter, a recruiter for Allstate. Okay. So I was recruiting agents to come into Allstate because I was a great recruiter. I could understand the, the consequences and the benefits and all that stuff, but I really knew nothing about insurance. So I had a mentor, an insurance mentor named George Gray. He was Allstate's second African-American insurance agent that Allstate had ever hired. He said, Billy, you're smart. You're this, you're that. He goes, but you don't know crap about insurance. And until you learn insurance, you're basically just bringing the sheep into slaughter. Because that's what I was doing. I was hiring agents. They were getting there. And then probably a year or two years later, I I didn't stick around to see, but a year or two years later, they were probably out of the business because I was just bringing in sheep to slaughter because I couldn't teach those sheep how to defend themselves, how to how to do what they do. So 2004, I opened my own scratch agency, my own Allstate agency in Mundelein, Illinois, mm-hmm. you know, up the road from you ways. Mm-hmm. And I took all the things that I did. I took my processes, my standards, my my um, my discipline and all that stuff and started to grow an agency. And my first huge marketing campaign, because I want to put this out there, which is one I still use today, which is what you're using to help grow, you know, AI is I did conference calls. I would go out to the park. You and I talked about this. I would go out to the park on Saturday mornings and on the back of my business card, there was a phone number, uh, a free conference call number. There was a printer on the back of my my, uh, business card and I'd hand it out to the parents that were out at the baseball fields, softball fields. You know, I go into the volleyball courts, all that stuff and say, hey, I'm going to have a conference call in about an hour. I'm going to talk about accident policies, cancer, heart attack, stroke. So I got some stuff that's better than Aflac. And the reason why I did that was because I, I couldn't compete against the folks that had been there on home and auto. Right. Those folks right. had been entrenched in that little neighborhood forever. Ever. So I literally couldn't compete against them. But none of them were selling cancer heart attack, stroke, accident policies. None of them were doing that. Gotcha. So I would go hand out about 50, 60, 70 cards, go sit my butt in my car and then hold a conference call from my car and talk about (laughs) accident, heart attack, stroke, (laughs) right? Yeah. And then uh, they would say, okay, I'd say text in to this number and let's schedule an appointment. So literally the stuff that I was doing in 2004, we've modified it. But it's the same thing. What's a podcast? A podcast is really a fancy, glorified conference call. That's right. What's a webinar? It's a conference call with video. It is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm still doing the same stuff. You're still doing the same stuff. Yep. But what it allowed me to do was it allowed me to really grow my agency to, I don't know, 2.8, 3.2. I can't remember exactly what it was when I got rid of it. But what mm-hmm. happened was I went to Allstate. I said, hey, I've done really, really well. I was your agent of the year star performer, all this kind of stuff. I'm ready to acquire other agencies because I had the processes. I could just roll another agency into my existing processes. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like some agents where you bring on a stepchild. No, this was just a child that was going to come right into our family. All states said, no, I was not feeling that. I was not feeling the fact that they were controlling. I can't, I can't hear you, Jason. You went away. I, I can't hear you. Your no, audio sorry about that. Sorry about okay. that. Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was listening. Yeah. So I, I couldn't stand the fact that someone was controlling my income. That truly, truly bothered me. I could see So that. 
I let go. I let go. I sold the Allstate agency, went independent, bought a little bitty agency right there in Mundelein, and then grew from there. But what I did, and you and I talked about this, mm -hmm. um, what I did was I never wanted to be the sitting agent. I had my, my thing is I feel like, and I've always taught, an agency owner's job is very simple. We hire, we train, and we hold people accountable. Right. That's it. That's our job. Mm -hmm. So once I started acquiring agencies, I really went into that CEO format, that that president role of hiring, training and accountability, because then I could take all my wisdom and transfer it to someone else, because my job is to bring up other producers, to bring up other you know, salespeople, to bring up other staff, not for me to be the, the shining star. Right. That's not my job. I don't need to be Michael Jordan if I own the Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. Come on. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's right. You know, sometimes you distinguish that between the rich and the wealthy. Michael Jordan was rich. The person who owned the Bulls was wealthy. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And so my thing was in order to build wealth, you know me, if you don't make the time to create wealth, then all of your time is spent fighting off poverty. That's so right. So my thing was I didn't want to be there sitting trying to be the head agent. I wanted to pass on my wisdom, knowledge, and experience. So that's what I did. So that's why, guys, I'm an investor. I am, uh, yes, I'm licensed in all 50 states, but I'm an investor. My job is to go in, buy a piece of an insurance agency, put our processes, our management, our leadership, our accountability in place, and then get my dividends every year and go play golf every day. So 10 months ago, I would have thought you played golf before. Maybe you nope. never did, huh? What? Uh, well, I, I can't. I mean, I may have gone out like with my son who played golf, but I did, I knew nothing about golf. I right. was, you know, I was so the typical guy out there digging, digging in the ground and doing all that stuff. I was that guy. Besides COVID, what happened 10 months ago that made you decide to do this? No, COVID is what happened. So That's what it is? Yeah. Well, what happened was, you know, I'm a tennis player. Played tennis my entire life. Went to college on a tennis scholarship, a whole deal. Um, was ranked 13th in the world at one time in tennis, right? Really? I, mean, I was big into tennis. Wow. So they took down all the tennis nets in Texas. All the tennis nets came down. So literally, wow. we had nowhere to play tennis. Now, some of the private clubs kept them up, but you know, I'm cheap. I wasn't a member of a private club <laughs> anywhere, so... <laughs> So, like, if I can't go to the park and play, I don't need to play, right? <laughs> so, uh, I love it. Right. So, they took down all the nets. And so, I needed something to do. And so, a friend of mine, uh, Carnell Chambliss, I'm going to give him credit for it. Carnell was a golfer. Carnell's also one of my partners. He works for me, all that kind of stuff. And he was like, hey, dude, you really need to take up golf. You know, I was like, well, here's the deal about me, Carnell. I am anal as hell. So I won't take up golf. I will master golf. <laughs> okay. I will learn to be really, really good at golf. And so he was like, okay, well, let's, you know. So what I did was I sat up and I came up with a plan. I said, I'm going to commit for one year. So this is the first lesson because this whole story is going to have a series of lessons. Okay. Come on. First lesson, commit for a specific period of time to do something. OK, don't just try it. Oh, it didn't work. And then I'm done. No, commit for a specific period of time. So I committed one year and I said, I'm going to play golf every day 
for one year, whether I'm gonna, whether I'm playing on the course, whether I'm practicing, whether I'm in my my room on my Wii, whether I'm reading a book about it, I'm gonna do something related to golf every day. Great. Second lesson: always do something every day toward your end goal. I don't care if it's five minutes, two minutes, three minutes. Never let a day go by that you don't do something toward your end goal. Another lesson. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next, I committed $5,000. I set a budget and I said, I'm going to spend $5,000, no less, no more on this golf thing. Okay. Okay. I love so, it. So right after I had my budget, the next thing I did was I went to Academy and bought me a set of $197 clubs. <laughs> okay. Now, let me tell you why that's important. Let me tell you why that's important. Because I could have went and got my M8s or my M6s or my this or my other fancy this, you know, my Cleveland this. But I wasn't good enough. Why the hell would I go spend $10,000 on golf clubs when I wasn't good enough? If you can't be good using the basic shit, then you're not going to be good just because you went and spent a lot of money on, on the new damn, stuff. Billy. Come on. Come on. Okay? Mm. So I went to Academy, bought me a set of $197 clubs, and that's what I started with. The next thing I did was I said, okay, I'm going to hire somebody who can be a swing coach, who can do this. So I paid for 12 lessons, okay, 12 lessons from this guy at the local club, and I wanted him to teach me the basics. That's what I wanted from him. I don't, I don't, I use my 12 lessons and I haven't been back, okay, but I needed those 12 lessons because there was so much stuff that I didn't know that I literally would have taken forever trying to figure out when someone else already knew it. Okay. So that's, that's another lesson. Don't try to figure shit out when somebody else already knows it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we do, Billy. That's what we do. (laughs) You know what I mean? So this guy taught me, he taught me swing grip, you know, swing speed. He taught me all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, he gave me the basics and insurance. What are the basics? In insurance, we have insurance provides three pots of money. That's it. I don't care how fancy the insurance is. I don't care how wonderful it is. Insurance provides three pots of money. I love money that. for you and your family or employees if you're commercial, but money for you and your family, money for others you'll end up owing, and then money to repair or replace what you choose to insure. That's, That's it. it. That's all we do. (laughs) Okay. So once he taught me the basics of grip, ball stance, all that kind of stuff, then my job was to actually understand the standards, understand what are the standards. And for me in golf, the standards are your grip needs to be this way. Your stance needs to be like this. The ball needs to be here. Each club has its own standard. My four hybrid goes 110 yards in the air, carry, and then rolls out 60 yards. Okay, that's what it does. My seven goes 80 yards in the air and rolls out 30 yards or 40 yards, somewhere in there. You know, my, my, uh, I have three putters. I've got a 56 degree, I've got a sand wedge, and I've got a lob wedge. And each one of those does something different. Each one of those goes a different Uh, space, right? right? Mm -hmm. Why is that important? Because each person in your agency has a different role. And when you try to make 
your driver a sandwich or you try to make your you know your four hybrid a seven you're gonna you're gonna look stupid and your agency's <laughs> not gonna grow Golly. but right now but you say well billy i'm the only person in my agency well that doesn't mean the roles change it just means you do all the roles yes okay yes love so it. so your csr if that's a csr role then when you do that work you're a csr if that's a licensed sales producer role, when you do that work, you're a licensed sales producer. If that's an admin role, when you do that work, you're an admin. The roles don't change. The standards for the roles don't change. Love it. That makes Love sense. It. That makes sense. That's why I'm not trapped to by employee because I don't hire people. I hire roles. That's okay. Right. Licensed sales producer. This is a conversation you and I had when we I was do. like, Jason, you're trying to fill the wrong yep. role. Yes. Mm -hmm. okay. I'm hiring people because I like them. Yeah. That, that don't do any good. You know? No. Nope. That's right. No, I, I, yeah. I love that. Why, wow, Billy? So my clubs, each of my clubs, they go a certain distance. They do a certain thing. They have a certain, you know, if I'm coming up on something. And see, this is another thing. When you don't know your roles, then things can easily distract you. So when if, if I'm on a let's say I'm on a par three mm -hmm. and there's a sand trap in front of that par three, well, that's not an obstacle, it's a distraction. Okay, it's okay. a distraction. It's only an obstacle if I try to go through it. It's a distraction if it's there and it forces me to switch roles. So now if it's uh -huh. if it's 90 yards out, then why am I hitting a 70-yard club? and hoping that I get past the sand trap. I've calibrated my clubs. I know the standard of my clubs. So I know, hey, in order for me to carry that sand trap, I'm going to have to use an eight, or I'm going to have to use a nine, or I'm going to have to use whatever it is that gets me over that. But what about, what if it rolls off the back? Okay, so let me ask you a question. Would you rather roll off the back and putt or be stuck in the sand trap? True. Mm -hmm. right. See what I'm saying? Absolutely. Sometimes there is no win situation. Sometimes you just got to make sure that you're in the best position to not lose badly. That's wow. Woo. Very well said, Billy. Very well said. Just how it is. Wow. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So <sighs> all in I know my standards. So now we're talking about standards. Now let's take that back to insurance. Every agency should have a set standard that they recommend to their customers, a minimum recommended coverage standard. So that means, hey, if we're talking auto, our minimum recommended coverage is 100, 300 for uninsured motors, 100,000 for property damage on, on liability, you know, $5,000 medical, whatever it is you decided, this is the minimum I want my customer to have. Once you know your minimum coverage standards, now everybody's working from the same conversation. That's right. Versus I got Joe who's really, really good at, at this. And then Susie who sucks at sales. There shouldn't be anybody in your office who sucks at sales because they should all be talking from the same standard. Mm -hmm. Now, Joe, because he's good, might be able to sell a 500-500. But Judy should never sell below 100-300. Gotcha. Because we all have the same standard. 
because we all have the same standard. We're all starting our conversations from the same, same point. Spot. Hey, Jason, I'm looking at your policy. I see some weaknesses out here. First and foremost, our agency standard for uninsured motors is 100, 300. We never want you to go below that ever. Mm-hmm. Now, if you decide to go below that, I can't force you not to, but I need you to sign a decline coverage form. And I need you, I'm going to have to update your notes that I that I absolutely don't want you to have that. But you can do it if you're more concerned with price than you are with our protection. Correct. You know, and we move on from there. So that's a standard. Agency recommended coverage should be a standard. Once you have an agency recommended coverage, then you'll have a standard consequences because our strength in insurance is not selling benefits. Our strength is being able to teach people the consequences of making a dumbass decision. Wow. That's good. That's good, Billy. Okay. So that means if I'm saying, well, we want you to have 100, 300 on your on your uninsured and underinsured motors. But if you don't want it, I at least want to make you aware of the consequences, which is if you are hit by a driver who does not have insurance or doesn't have enough insurance. Now, you're going to have to cover your own medical. You're going to have to cover your own lost wages. You're going to have to make sure that if you have to rehab, that you've got something else out there to help you rehab because there's not enough uninsured motors to take care of that. On top of that, if you have to go to court, people don't realize the legal part is removed from the total payout. So if you're with a company and they represent you in court and that costs $60,000 to represent you in that court case, you're only left with $40,000 that you have to do all that other stuff with. It's not, we're going to give you a hundred thousand and legal. No, we're going to give you everything combined total. So these are the consequences of you not accepting at least our minimum recommendation. I've never really heard you say it that way. I mean, I've heard you in so many words explain to me about the standards and I Mm. get that, but I, and you know, we're trying to find weaknesses and these are the standards that we use to find this and Hey, you got to sign off. If you don't, I'd never heard you pin it. Maybe you hadn't just didn't resonate to the fact that I am. It's my job to explain to them the consequences. If they don't want it, that's fine. But as long as we understand what it is and the consequences. Now that's what I want to say though. Sometimes we explain what it is. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between explaining, am I right, Billy, about what it is versus what the consequences are. Right. And, and our power is in the consequences. Our power is in painting the picture for them of what their life looks like if they don't take what we recommend. We get paid to tell stories. Yes. That's what Absolutely. we do. That's what Absolutely. we do. Yeah. So, yeah, but agents don't do that. They're so busy selling the benefits. Oh, you're going to love it. You're going to have this and you're going to have this and you're going to have this. And that doesn't resonate with people. Yeah. Okay. That's a goal. An emotional. You've heard me talk about this before. I love it. Every every piece has a certain emotional, I guess, fire to it. So facts, goals, obstacles, solutions, right? Facts have almost no emotion. Goals have some emotion, but it's the obstacles that have the most emotion, the problems wow. that have the most emotion. And so what do people buy? They buy solutions, right? But mm-hmm. if there's no problem, there's no solution. So my goal is to make you aware of the problems or the consequences of you not accepting my coverage. That's the sales process. If agents get off this bullshit about trying to make the customer feel happy and make them feel loved and make them feel warm and make them feel protected, I don't need to make them feel protected. I need them so damn scared that they would never turn down what I recommend. That's true. 
Because they don't know any better. You're, you're actually don't. acting in their best interest. They just don't know it until they actually use that policy. Exactly. It's like a child getting ready to stick their hand toward a fire. I can sit there and go, oh, Johnny, fire can be good. It can warm us. It can make us feel good. It can cook us, but cook our food. But, but it also can hurt us a little bit if we're not careful. What is that crap? That kid's going to be like, okay, let's see. <laughs> right? But if I say, dude, you're going to burn your hand, your skin is going to melt off, your fingers are not going to have any meat on them anymore. But if that's what you want to do, you go ahead and stick your hand in that fire. <laughs> <laughs> so, Billy, what else did you learn in this 10 years? In this 10 All right, months? So, oh my God, you're like a new person. Well, you know what? Again, it, I try everything I do, I try to equate it and learn from it. First of all, we grow every day. I never hit a point where I, I don't learn something new every single day. Yeah. The key is I'm looking to learn something new. See, most people let some let learning fall in their lap. I don't let it fall in my lap. Mm -hmm. I go looking for something new to learn every day. Got you. Okay. And when you do that, you can take whatever happens and make a learning uh, position out of it. Mm -hmm. You can learn from it. So next mm -hmm. thing I learned was we're still on agency standards. So I had to learn what my clubs do. I had to learn what my grip does. I had to learn the consequences of if I don't have the right grip, if I swing too fast, if I use the wrong club, right? Because that's mm -hmm. the mistakes that we mm -hmm. make. What I've learned in everything that I've ever played, tennis, golf, sports, basketball, football, baseball, doesn't matter. The person who makes the least amount of mistakes will usually win most of the time. Sure. It's not the person who is just great it's the person who doesn't make great mistakes. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Right. In football, they say turnovers will kill you in a minute. You can throw absolutely. a lot of touchdowns, but turnovers will kill you. You yeah, know, and absolutely. it's just like that with any so errors on a baseball field. The guy's on second and it's, it goes right between the shortstop's legs. That one error costs you a point, you know. Or absolutely. It costs you a World Series. Yep. Yep. That's right. It costs you a World Series. That's right. So, so yeah, all of that. So I, I took that away. So then once I had my agency standard, well, once I had my standards with my clubs, my standards were my swing was like, once everything was done there. And I knew my consequences if I didn't do the right thing. Then it was like, now I need to calendar block. Okay. Calendar because block. I, yeah, okay. I need to calendar block. So I, I, I it's like in, in insurance, Let's take it back to insurance. Yep. On coverages, once I know my reports, which tell me my quote to close ratio, my lead to close ratio, once I know my expected you know, revenue for this sale because I'm using a minimum standard. So at a minimum, if we sell this, this is what I can expect my revenue to be right. for this sale. Now I can adjust from there and say, well, I can hire this person or I can hire these two people because I know our minimum rec revenue is this right. because our lead to close is this. Our quote to close is this. So I literally can predict my money. Love you know it. what I'm saying? 
Mm-hmm. I can predict my money because I have standards. Yep. Once I do that, then now I need to calendar block. Calendar block is I got all this information, but what the hell am I going to do with it? How, how do I apply it mm-hmm. in golf? So for me, Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings, I play with a group of 70 plus year old guys. I'm the youngest little chicken wing there. I'm 59, right? Makes you feel and good, so Billy. These guys, thank you. These guys are 70 plus, right? And I, and, I, and I begged to be in their group. It wasn't a deal where I just stumbled in. I saw them. I said, no, I need to surround myself with people who are better than me, who can teach me something and I'm willing to learn from. So I didn't go into the group to my, yeah, uh, I've been playing every day and I'm all great and everything. I went in like, dudes, I am brand new, but I, I will not hold you up, but I will learn and I will watch. And if you have critique or criticisms, I'm here. I'm here to learn. And they were like, yeah, come on in. Mm-hmm. Right. We play every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm-hmm. So I go with that group every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's the first thing you have to understand. Calendar blocking. Calendar blocking takes four sessions, Jason. This is why most people can't get a process in their place. Okay. Can't get a process in place in their agency. So please, guys, right? Loyal listeners, listen to this. Okay. Calendar blocking takes four sessions to get a task or process in place. Your first blocked off session is what you're doing for your technology. The first session is technology. That's where you get your email templates, your text messaging, your tool setup, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, that means let's put let's put it real world because I don't make a theory on this. Let's say I'm putting the policy renewal process in place. Right. Mm -hmm. Upcoming renewals. So I'm going to block off four separate hours on my calendar. The first hour is nothing but me setting up technology. That's all I'm doing. I'm putting, making sure I got all my email templates, making sure I got my text message templates, making sure my social networking uh, wording is right, making sure that my system can actually do what I need it to do as far as trigger-based emails, all those things. That's all I'm doing that first session. Okay. Once that's done, I'm not going to try to force it in that day. No, I'm going to pick another day. And the second session is when I role play and train on the entire process. Okay. Now I'm not going to be held up because I don't know. A lot of times people will set up and say, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to implement that. Then they get there to role play and they go, well, how do we send the email? And they go, shit, I don't know. Well, well, is the system going to do it for us or we have to do it manually? You know what? Let me check on that and see. Does, does easy links do this? Does Hawksoft do this? Does you know, assured mind do this? Does zoom do I, I don't really know. Let me call them and find out. Because you didn't take the time to set up your technology and make sure that it works before you tried to introduce the process to your people. Mm. So many times we do the process and then where does the technology fit in? Right. And that's not how it should go. Your first session should be setting up the technology pieces first. Second session is training and role play. Right. Training Mm -hmm. and role play. And here's the deal about role play. Don't allow your staff to bullshit you and tell you, I can do it with the customer. I just can't do it in role play. BS. What they're telling you is the customer has no standard for me. So I can BS that customer all day long. I can swag it, sophisticated, wild ass, guess it. I can do whatever because the customer doesn't know what I'm supposed to say. That's right. But in role play, there's a standard. 
You see what I'm saying? Wow. I've never heard you explain it that way. I know what boxes you're supposed to check. Mm -hmm. So that's why people say, oh, I can do it with a customer, but not when I'm in role play. No, you can bullshit a customer, but you can't bullshit me in role play. That's true. Wow. Mm. Mm. That's the second session. Third session is where you block off time for them to actually do what you train them to do. So again, we're talking policy review, policy renewal. So first session, I set up all my stuff for the policy renewal. Second session, we role played. Hey, this is this is how you say it. This is how you do the review. This is what we're going to use. This is the email program that's going out. This is what the email is they're going to receive. This is a text message they're going to receive. So everybody knows what's going on. Third session, I'm going to block it off. I'm going to say, well, Judy, I'm going to make sure that you are scheduling policy review appointments at 10 o'clock on Wednesday morning. That is your time. And I'm putting that on your Calendly or Simply Book or Bookings or whatever you're using. And when someone says, hey, I want to do a policy review, go to their calendar, see what's available. You know what's going to be available? Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock, because that's what I have blocked off for you to do it. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. And then the fourth session is spot checking. This is where we as the leader, remember, we only got three jobs, hiring, training, and accountability. So this is where we come in and spot check. Now, I'm not spot checking you, Jason, by saying, hey, Jason, did you do that? And you say, yeah, I got to some of it. You know, I'm going to get busy. They're like, well, try to do better next time. That's not a spot check. Okay. That's not a spot check. That's a conversation. That's a a spot spot check check. in most agencies. (laughs) Right. A spot check is at eight o'clock in the morning before anyone else is in the office. I'm going to pull the policy, the upcoming policy renewal report, I'm going to pick three or four people and I'm going to look at their records and see if I see notes. Do I see decline coverage forms? Do I see that you called out to them? What day did you call out to them? So when we go to our meeting, I'm coming armed with information. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I'm not going to come ask you, did you do this? I'm going to say, I spot checked four of your policy renewals that you called and this is what I don't see. Mm-hmm. I don't see where they were sent a decline coverage form. I don't see. I'm looking at four policy weaknesses. I'm seeing uh, four coverages that are below our agency standard, but I don't see any notes in the system where you discuss agency standards with them. See, that's a spot check. Yep. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Why don't in we the military, do that, Billy? Billy, why don't we do that? Why because do we, we don't set other? we don't set aside the time because we're too busy. Again, if you don't make the time to create wealth, then all of your time is spent fighting off poverty. So we're so busy with the BS that we don't have time to do this. And we've all seen this. We've all seen the big rocks, little rocks, right? Where you've got the the, the big glass thing and the guy's like, how do you get all these big rocks in with these little rocks? And then you have to dump the sand out, put the big rocks in, and then pour the sand back in it, right? Yeah. Well, I want you to think of stuff, rocks and sand. I want you to think of distractions and proactive, proactive actions. So a lot of times the sand is nothing but distractions, mm. little bitty things that we shouldn't be doing, but they eat up all of our time. They do. And then the big rocks, we save the big rocks for the last. And then they never fit in the box. <laughs> okay. <We do. laughs> they never fit in. So now you got big, important shit that's sitting over on the side, never getting done because Judy is sitting on the phone for two hours with a claim. 
not with a claim customer, but with the claims department, trying to figure out where the where the pictures went. Are you kidding me? Are <laughs> you kidding me? That's right. You know, right? But that but that's the kind of stuff that we do. So the first thing that we have to do is understand what our when we talk about our calendar blocking, mm-hmm. what are the things that need to be blocked? And that's why I'm breaking it down for you. Number one, technology setup. Okay. Number two, training and role play. Number three, the the absolute time that this is supposed to happen. And then number four, spot checking. Now, if you're one person, then you're doing all of that. Mm-hmm. But most agencies are not. No. Most agencies just don't delegate. So the agent right. is so busy sitting out there chasing sales that they can't spot check to see if they can get better sales or more sales. So I watch these agencies and the agents like, man, I'm so busy. I don't have time to do Judy. I just expect Judy, Judy to do her job. Well, that's a dumbass thing because you never trained her. You never held her accountable. You never gave her a standard. What is Judy's job? <laughs> you following me? I'm following you. Gosh, right. you just like I said, you make it so simple. You're just listening to you. It's like, why am I doing this thing? And I know the loyal listeners are thinking that. And it's okay. That's you know, right. you gotta feel a little uncomfortable to know that you're growing, right? Exactly. So my my job is to make sure you're aware of what's stopping you from growing into a 10 million revenue agency. And these are the things that are stopping you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then go, going back to golf for a second. So what I do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I play with my old, my older guys, right? Tuesdays is my Track. I, I go to a course here that has a track, the track man where you can hit and it tells you your okay. carry and all that. Yep. So I calibrate my clubs every Tuesday, every Tuesday, every Tuesday evening. I calibrate my clubs so that I know Wednesday morning what my seven iron does, what my nine iron does, what my eight iron does. I know what they do. Right. right. On Thursdays is when I chip and putt. Now, I've got this little nickname that the folks around here are starting to call me. They call me the sniper, okay? <laughs> the sniper. And if I'm 100 yards in, uh-huh. dude, I own that. I own that. Because I don't have a 300-yard drive. My drive is about 220, 230 consistently, but right down the middle, right? Me too. Me too. Right down the middle. And that's the key. Hit straight. Just hit straight. I ain't got to be fancy. Just hit straight. <laughs> so it may take me two, two and a half, to get to the green or to get within a hundred yards if I'm on a par five. But once I'm within a hundred yards, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm the sniper, <laughs> right? I'm the sniper. I mean, ask Steve Moore from Lightspeed Voice. He yep. flew down and played golf with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Abinetti from Agency VA. He flew yep. down and played golf with me. Uh, I go out of town and play golf with other folks, you know, important folks. Mm-hmm. So, that's my thing because that's my niche. I'm not going to be the 300 driver guy. I'm not going to be the, you know, the 190 yard three wood guy. That's not my thing. But dude, when it comes to chipping and putting, that's my thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. I'm, if I go over a two putt, it was a really bad, bad read on my part. I just don't go beyond a two putt because that's my niche. So I train what I'm good at. I put the majority of my time into the things that I'm good at. See, if you put all your energy into the things you're bad at, then what happens is you just end up feeling bad all the damn time. Mm -hmm. Think think about this. I would be curious how you would think about measuring the distance, right? 
Um, it, it is tough. You know what your club's standards are to do. How mm. far truly is that 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 uh, that that's that sand trap sometimes? Because as as owners, we're really trying to find how far out is that as an obstacle? How far is that as as a distraction? And I would just be curious if you thought of that. I've got this little gadget, right? This little bitty gadget that tells me everything about every course I ever play. So it's called Golf Buddy. Now, some people have those big fancy things that they can look at the flag and do. I, this works fine for me. First of all, I'm cheap. It only costs $99. Those damn range finders cost like 700 bucks. I'm not spending that. I'm not that good to be spending 700 bucks on a damn range finder. <laughs> okay. But most agents would say, I need that because it makes me good. No. Right? No. But don't no. we say that though? Like I need this you technology. You do, but you don't. It's gonna make you you get good at the basic stuff and then the other stuff magnifies your good. That's right. Right? People think that good stuff or good technology makes you good. All it does is help to expand the habits that you've developed. That's right. Mm. That's all it does. So if you got bad habits, you're not suddenly going to buy your way out of bad habits. Billy, let me throw you another one. Putt for show or drive for show, putt for dough. Right. Absolutely. Hyper, right. So Absolutely. I think you can associate that in, in insurance. Right. I think everybody has their roles. One side's really good or the other. But I think finishing teaches us that that's what people maybe have a hard time do. We all see those guys who can hit three, three fifty. I got friends that do it. But I mean, from there on, they're just an average person, you know, and everybody likes to go, woo, you know, yep. but the guy at the end of 18 holes that's counting up and he has less swings than everybody. That's what everybody remembers. You know what I mean, Billy? So, so that's absolutely. Yeah. So that's absolutely. And yeah, here's the thing. A missed putt is just like a bad drive. So if I miss from three, from three feet out, I might as well just hit a bad drive because it's the same damn shot. <laughs> true. It's true. You know what I mean? On the scorecard, it's all the same. Right. It's all the same. So, <laughs> no, I, I want to make sure that my short game is tight because my short game I can control. And here's the deal. I don't have to be skilled. I don't have to be a big hitter. I don't have to be DeShambo. I don't have to be any of that stuff for the short game. We're all equal in the short game. That's right. Okay. So, so that's the field I, you want to play on, right? You're going right. to lose at the drive every time. So play on the field that you're going to win. Absolutely. We're all equal 100 yards in. Anybody, a 12-year-old, Tiger Woods' son, can kick our ass 100 yards in. That's true. That's <laughs> you true. know what I'm saying? And Billy, so, is this on Is this on purpose here? The red shirt, the Nike hat? Um, you know, I mean, are you trying to look no, like Tiger? Because sometimes- No, man, red is my like color, man. Day. I just look- Dark people look good in red, man. That's just <laughs> the way it works. <laughs> That's just how it works. Billy, uh, anything else on the golf? Yeah, yeah. I got two other things. One okay. is um, on Saturdays and Sundays, I play with a group of guys who are almost semi-professional. I mean, they are good. I'm talking good. And I go out with them. They let me tag along. I watch. I learn. I ask questions. I critique. And, you know, I, well, they critique me. I do whatever else. So I've got this level of 70-year-olds who's good. And I got this other level that's really far up here because I'm not so damn egotistical that I think I have to be the best person in the room. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, you've heard me say many times, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong damn room. That's right. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're in the wrong room. So that's why they need to join your mastermind. Mm -hmm. That's why they need to be a part of this because you are surrounding them with people 
who are better than they are. You're surrounding them with knowledge and information and wisdom. So part of your group are the big hitters. That's right. And part of your group are the 70 year olds that are still trying to figure this out. And part of your group are people that have no clue what the hell is going on. So now they're going to go out on their own and make these dumbass decisions and make these dumbass mistakes and buy this glorified, glorified technology and the latest shiniest stuff when they don't even have a clue how to pick up the phone and go, hi, thank you for calling. They don't have a clue how to say this is our agency standard. They don't have a clue how to do any of that. So you have to surround yourself with people that are better and smarter than you. Remember what I said? The first thing I did after I bought my $179 clubs was I went and paid for 12 golf lessons because I was not going to spend all this time, energy, and money trying to figure shit out on my own when somebody else already knew how to do it. I just needed their knowledge and wisdom. That's right. I can imagine. Now, I'm not going to pay for him all the time. Like he, he isn't a part of my, my household expense budget. I bought 12 lessons. I maximized those 12 lessons and I moved on from there. And about every month or so, I'll book another lesson with him and say, hey, just watch my game. Tell me what you see. Tell me what, what you think. And he's like, Bill, you you progressed further than I ever could have taken you. You know, he goes, I'm just being honest with you. So but it's not, hit, because, you it's not because I'm smart. Well, it's not because I'm smart, Jason. It's because I put in the time. I literally have played every single day for 10 months. Even when it was raining, I'm out there in the rain if it's not heavy rain. And if I can't go outside because it is heavy rain, I'm up in my TV room with my Wii remote playing Tiger Woods Masters 2020 or something. You know what I mean? I'm doing something related to golf every single day. That goes back to that lesson I said, never let a day go by that you don't do something towards your goal. I don't care if it's 30 seconds, do something towards your goal every single day. So how's all this worked out after 10 months? If I'm hitting from the tips, I'm shooting mid nineties. If I'm hitting from the white um, or yellow, depending on what course you're on, uh, but it's the same, the second tee, the second from the tips, I'm shooting mid eighties. If I'm shooting from the red, which my daughter gets pissed off if you say the women's tee, okay, she goes, there are a lot of old men that need to be from this tee. No, it's not the women's tee, it's the red. If you're shooting from the red, I'm mid seventies, right? And the reason why it goes 90s, 80s, 70s, why is there that difference? Because my shots are the same. The only thing that changes is the course. Okay? I hit the same distance regardless. My driver goes the same distance. My seven goes the same distance. My my pitching wedge goes the same distance. The only thing that changes is the course. That's why I'm 90s at the tips, 80s from the white, and 70s from the red. It's the same thing in insurance. Guys, the only thing that changes out here is the customer or the prospect. Our processes should be the same. Holy shit. Wow. That was okay. that's powerful when you talk about that being because in how many golfers shoot 88 and they shoot 88 from the tips and they probably shoot 88 from the, from the whites and maybe even shoot, you know, 84 from the reds. And I think they, they're going to f- a little bit better, but you're not understanding the concept of if you're a golfer and you know your standards of each club and you have executed on those, no matter where you are, you're going to shoot a better score all because this course changed. I had never 
That's very common sense, but we don't ever, I mean, I had like those little things in my brain that go zoom, 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 where they say you're mm-hmm. creating that little path. I had a couple of those and I don't get those every day. So man, Billy, that was great. And good luck and great, man. I mean, so, so what's the deal on this? Like, when are you going to, when are you, I mean, is this you from the rest of your life? You're just going to keep playing once a day or what? No, no, no. This is just one year. This was a one year commitment. That's right. That's right. It was a one, one year commitment. So my year is up March 27th, 2021. At that point, golf will become another thing in my tool bag. So that when I have a business meeting, when you come down to Dallas or I fly up, you know, to Illinois or something, we can go, hey, let's go play a round of golf. And I know that I can at least play a decent round. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not whatever. I'm not slowing you down. And we can just go play a decent round. You know, a lot of business is done on the golf course. A lot of business Lots. is done on the golf course. Lots. Okay? One of the like sweet- I said, Steve Moore from Light Speed Voice flew down. We played golf together. Ben Abinetti from Agency VA flew down. We played golf together. I've had other companies come down. We play golf together. I've got about 17 um, appointments set up with leaders of companies and carriers to for me either to go where they are and play golf or for them to come where I am and play golf. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So golf for me is a networking tool. It is a true networking tool. It is like the, the chamber of commerce or whatever else. So at the end of the day, let me summarize this. Make sure we're real simple. Because there are five things I want you to take away from this. Number one, set agency standards. Okay? Set mm-hmm. agency standards. Number two, have established processes. Number three, Learn how to use your technology effectively. Number four, never skip training and role play. And number five, never miss your spot checks. Love so that, let's, let's make it all simple. That's what I want you to take away from the time you spent with us today, agents. Set yep. agency standards, right? Have established processes on how you do things. Learn to effectively use the technology that you have, not just go buy new shit every time you feel like something's going to be better. Learn to use what you have effectively. Never skip training and role play. And always perform spot checks. Always perform. That's it. That's the summary. Those are the five things. Billy, I, I wanted to, I wanted to, t- I wanted to say something, and then I want to, I want to talk to you about something we've never talked about, and I, and okay. I think this is going to be good. Um, but one of the things you were talking about when you're talking about blocking time or revolving, yeah, it was the when you go play um, with the with the gentlemen who are not as good, the older gentlemen. I think that's on Monday, Wednesday. Right. Well, they're good. They're just not as good as the guys on the weekends. Up Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, so those, so. I used to, um, there's the Elks. I don't know if you guys have that. Oh, of course. The Elks Lodge. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the Elks Lodge in Centralia, Illinois, um, when I started in 24, when I was 24, it's still this way. It's just a bunch of um, uh, well-veteraned aged people. Let's just be okay. honest, right? I mean, in ours, it's very much that way. And a lot of young people stayed away from that. And so the way that I had thought was, is, well, if some people are going to stay away from that, I think that that's pretty powerful because I'm going to go to that. Right. And one of the reasons I went to that, which was one of the reasons why a lot of people didn't do it was, is I was able to um, sit around. So here, here's the deal of how it happened. I went in and all these old guys would sit around in the uh, around three or four in the afternoon and they'd play cards in the side room. And so I knew these guys and they were very successful business people. And so I wanted to be around them. Right. So I would go in there and they wouldn't let me go in there. 
they would be like, they'd be like, nope, nope, we're playing cards. You know, that's why we're in this side room or whatever. So I kept thinking to myself, so I hung out with the other guys that were outside the cards. I'm thinking, how do I get in there? And so every Thursday they did this steak dinner and they would do this steak dinner and the Elks would um, provide all the food and then they would sell it for $5 and then they would give it to the troops or something like right, that. Right, right, right. Okay. And I figured out that I got my, my insurance agency. I put together a team. And then we went to the Elks and I said, hey, um, on, on the Thursday, the third Thursday or whatever it was, I want my team to cook the stuff. So we'll cook it so you guys don't have to. Well, it was really cool because after three or four months, they let me in the room. And right. I didn't play cards. I would just sit there and I would drink my vodkas and Sprites or whatever it was. And I all I wanted to do is just listen to them. I just wanted to hear what they would say. And I would ask them questions. You know, there was one guy who had a huge storage business and it was all over the place. And I wanted to ask him how he got there. And it was so funny because my friends would be like, dude, what do you do hanging out two times a week at the damn Elks? And it's like, man, you guys don't understand, but those dudes are smart, you know, yes. and I'm learning stuff that I never would have learned before. So when you said that, I thought that was good. So I really, really like that. And loyal listeners, there's all types of things like that around our communities where we can invest and where we can find yeah. those people. You happen yeah. to find them at the club and they're usually playing on Saturday because they're not like the older guys who are retired. They got to work during the week, you know, right, and it's right. just, that's okay. So Billy, I, here's what I want to kind of wrap this up with. What was your childhood like? I was military. I, I was military. No, I know, I know. And, and, I, and I hear you tell me whenever you and I get really deep in discussions, you'll start to bring out the things that your dad told you, mm -hmm. you know? And I understand your dad in the military. So that gives a lot of this, you know, are your brothers and sisters as dynamic as you are? I, I mean, don't have brothers and sisters. I'm an only child. I did not know that, Billy. Yeah, so my parents only invested into me. <laughs> <laughs> to me. Yes. Well, right. And since I was the only investment, the return on investment had better be pretty damn good, right? right? That was the only investment vehicle they had. No, I'm an only child. Did not know that. And so, I mean, was this was this driven into you, structure, being anal? Do you think that you just, do you think your dad and parents drew a bit into you more? Or do you think it was an absorbed thing that you just learned? No, it was it was learned. It's it, it's an it's environment. I know they say, is it nurturing or environment or mm -hmm. whatever? No, it was it was environment. But my dad and mom had it drilled into them from their parents. So let me let me kind of go back even further. I'm African-American. For those of you that are on the, the call here may not be able to tell because I try to be fairly, you know, fairly uh, neutral mm -hmm. with any kind of, uh, I guess, uh, what we're accent that I have. But I'm African-American. My grandparents came up at a time when African-Americans didn't really own anything, couldn't really do much. and But my grandfather had this mentality where he felt like if we own it, we can control it, okay? Mm -hmm. So within the African-American community, he owned, uh, like he did a washing service where he would hire African-American women to wash clothes, iron, do all those kind of things. But it was like his service right. that he ran for that. Mm -hmm. And then he leveraged that into a couple of apartment buildings. He leveraged that into a, a laundromat after the washing service thing kind of went away and laundromats came in. Yeah. So he owned a laundromat in East Dallas where, where he lived, but he never let anyone knew that he owned it. He had a, a, a European manager. He had a Spanish lady who worked it because if, if it was known that it was African-American owned, people would not have gone to it. Gotcha. 
So he he kind of instilled that into who's my mother's father. And so he instilled that into my mom. So my mom owned hair salons. Uh, my mom owned some other things. Then my dad being military, my mom, I think, actually influenced my dad really? to own some things. Even though my dad was in the military for 35 years, he still owned things outside of the military. You know what I'm saying? Military was the funding source for all the things that he ran outside of the military, um, apartment buildings, things like that that he invested in. And so me growing up, that's all I knew. I thought that the world was all about people owning their own stuff and running their own things. Right. And even though you had a stable job, that job was just, was just there to fund the things that you wanted to own. Okay. Gotcha. And see, Jason, you and I, when we were talking and, and I was telling you, I don't know if you remember this and I think we were in Cleveland. I'm not sure where we were. We were sitting, it was me, you, and, and, uh, uh what was his name? Your, your partner, uh, Travis, Travis, we were sitting at a table and we were talking. This is when I first told you, dude, you got to get the hell out your agency. Mm -hmm. You're what's stopping your agency from growing. Right. right. But I also told you, Jason, at some point when you're out of that agency, you're going to start to own other things. You're going to start to do other things mm -hmm. outside of your agency because your agency will run itself. And that's why I was telling you about my investing. I said, the reason why I'm able to invest is because I don't have to be there running an agency. It's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? I so now I look at you and you have a podcast service and you're doing things for Cuba. And you got a lot of other stuff that I don't even put your business in the streets. You got some other shit that's happening out there that people don't know about. But right. the reason why you can do that is because you're not a slave to your agency. That's right. You went to what you were supposed to do, hiring, training and accountability. And that freed you up financially and time wise to go after other things. So right. So right. You know what I'm saying? So my childhood was me watching my parents go through this and do this. And they ingrained in me, you know, those sayings that I live by, if you don't take the time to create wealth, all of your time is, is spent fighting off poverty. They ingrained that in me. You know, they ingrained in me, all money is not good money. Sometimes you have to pass up what looks like good money because it'll hold you back. It'll slow you down. It will stop you. So you may have a contract over here. It's like, oh, we got a big contract. But the service work and everything associated with it destroys your ability to go do anything else. Right. So all money is not good money. You, you know what I mean? So I that it. was that's my childhood. That's that's why. I am. And I am the way that I am because of my father. I am my father's son. But my father is his his his. Uh, well, I guess it wouldn't be well, father in law. So my I am my father's son and my father is his father in law's son. Gotcha. Wow. Wow. That's great, dude. Thank you very much. I just had never really talked to you about that. And there's so much, so much passion, so much wisdom, so much emotion, so much simplicity that comes from your military background and other things like that. But it just comes on. It's there's more than there. There was that there was uh there was kindling that lit this fire and it had to been put in there. And now we know. So I appreciate it. Billy, you've been a big, uh, big help. And I want everybody to know when you hear about Billy saying, Yeah, Jason, we talk and this and that. Billy. You, he'll tell you he has a calendar. You mm -hmm. can go on there and you can select a time and 
you can you can talk to him. No, no, don't yeah. get me wrong. You just you just don't give this shit away for free all the time. But at the beginning, he wants to know who you are, and maybe he can help you with your services. There's a good chance, but I want you to keep in mind that's how Billy and I got going. I saw Billy back in '03 or '04 at the National American uh, or uh, African Naya, yeah, National African American Insurance Association. There it is, right there. And then we met later on because you have a thing where you do a lot of presentations for non for profits for free. Mm Um, and that, that was inspiring and it just took a while for me to listen to you. So please, um, where can people, what is your little thing that people can go? Just go to inspirenation.org. If if they're interested in our mentoring service, Mm -hmm. you know, which, which is complimentary to what you guys do. Jason and I work a lot together. We have a lot of joint people Mm -hmm. that work with us. So if you're interested in mentorship, mentorship is, I don't expect you to be there forever, but if you need, like I went and hired the guy for 12 sessions. sessions. If you feel like you need a period of time where you want someone to really teach you the ins and out of running an agency, mm-hmm. you know, then go to inspireanation.org. Inspireanation.org. And we'll take a look at that. But by the same token, guys, what Jason does, his group that he has, his mastermind, all that is so important. Those are my 70-year-old plus guys that I that I golf with mm-hmm. on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Those are my almost semi-pro guys that I golf with on the weekends because you need to be around a group of people that's better than you, that has more wisdom than you. Right. You know what? you also need someone who's one-on-one with you as well. Billy, when new members join our mastermind, I say to them, they'll be like, man, I needed to join for a while. And here's what I always say to them. They always say to me, they say the same thing. They say, I didn't think I was good enough to be in the group. And and that goes back to what you're saying. Maybe you're not, but you're probably the but you're probably the smartest somewhere else, and you need to get out of there. But we need to yeah. be hanging out with those people that are below and above, so that we're yes. learning both those things. I love that so much, Billy. Billy, last two questions, and we can wrap this up. Okay. The readers and readers are leaders. I know you're a leader, so you must be a reader. What do you read? Well, right now I've actually been doing more Audible than mm-hmm. I have yeah. reading okay. because it's just it's just easier for me. Me too. I'm an Audible guy. Yep. So let me show you. Let me pull up my Audible and see the last books that I've read or that I have going on right now. Okay. Uh, so right now I have my library. Hold on. <laughs> uh, I'm reading an AP biology book because my my daughter is in AP biology. Now I'm a biology major, right? Wow. Okay. That's what I majored in in college. But if you don't use it, you lose it. So I'm reading an AP biology book so I can help her with her AP biology class. And then I'm reading a book by, um, uh, let's see, yeah, by David Goggins called Can't Hurt Me. David is a is a former Navy SEAL. So I'm reading a book by David Goggins called Can't Hurt Me. Oh, but the one I'm really enjoying is by Darren Hardy. It's called The Compound Effect. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Warped and narrow view Hold on. Of what yeah. The compound effect is jumpstart your income, your life, and your success. It's by Darren Hardy. Yep. I got oh. his book. He's got that uh, calendar book. And Travis. Yep. He's, he's got, got that too. Travis but you know, my absolute favorite book in the whole wide world, right? I think you and I have talked about this. Hold on. Is Habits The Power of Habit by mm-hmm. Charles Duhigg. It is my absolute favorite book. I probably listen to it at least once every six months. The Power of Habit. Because if we can get our habits right, everything else is easy. Right. And like you already say, we already have habits. 
They just might be not the ones that you want and you can't figure right. out how to get out of it. Billy, I, I know that this is garbage for us. You know, I know your wife, she came to Charlotte. So I know you got your boo. You're probably watching Hulu. You may spend your time on Netflix. I don't know where you're getting your kicks. You're not maybe, really a video guy. Maybe but- it's Amazon Prime, but there's a time. Mm-hmm. Amazon Prime or something that you sit down and like, man, this stuff is bad for my brain. But what does Billy do to just blah his mind? If I'm going to watch a video, mm-hmm. I'm going to right now. My new series that I'm really watching is the Undercover Billionaire. Oh, OK. You like that. Have you, huh? have you heard that series? Have yeah, I've not. Yeah. Where he goes and works at a job and then hears out his. No, not that. Not. No, this is the Undercover Billionaire. This okay. is a guy who's a billionaire. He, he goes. He's dropped off in a in a town with $100 in his pocket and he's got 90 days to build a million dollar business. Wow. What, what yeah. is it? I mean, billionaire? there's undercover billionaire. I mean, this, the one who first started, he slept in his truck. It, the first, cause he gets a truck, a hundred dollars, uh, and a camera crew. I think the camera crew has a lot of influence cause people are like, Oh, he's got a camera crew. It must have, <laughs> but you know, it must have some kind of money, but it, he's doing, he's, tells the people he's doing a documentary on on a struggling business person trying to you know become something so he has a hundred dollars and he can't spend more than that hundred dollars unless he makes it on his own wow yeah so it's that's you gotta watch it's called the undercover billionaire and see that's what i'm talking about it's those different types of things like that that uh that, yeah. thank you very much hey billy um like i said go to inspirenation.com if you want to find dot out org or dot com org. doesn't matter yeah, yeah, it's dot org or dot com. But uh, Inspire Nation, he is not an agency owner. He is an investor. He always yes. wants to say that. That is a very, very, very important thing to realize about him. But loyal listeners, keep in mind that the, I bring Billy to you because I do what I do because I do it for you. Remember here at Agents Influence, what we do is we ask you to tell us your thoughts and tell us your ideas, and we are going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Cass. He's Williams. We're out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good. Terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. 
Give us a call. Check us out. You can ask for me personally. I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast Certified.